Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And today I'd like to deal with the fact that the Bible teaches that it is possible for a Christian to so sin as to lose his or her salvation. I mean such passages as Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 31, Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, and Romans chapter 11, verses 16 through 22, describe to us the possibility of falling due to unrepented of, willful sin, due to unbelief, and due to the adherence to false doctrine. However, due to the influence of Calvinism in the religious world, and most just close their eyes and shut their ears to these passages and go blissfully along clinging to the dangerous and the false doctrine of once saved, always saved. But this brings up an interesting and important sideline of the discussion. If it is truly possible for a Christian to fall and lose his or her salvation, then is it possible for anyone to know at any given time that they are saved? If a Christian can fall, does this then mean that there is no security, that a Christian must always live in doubt of his salvation? Where is the joy and peace in that kind of existence? In other words, simply, can I know that I am saved? The answer to that question in God's word is yes. The Father in heaven has not left his children to wonder and fear as to the condition of their souls before him. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, and we'll look at verses 16 and 17. There we read, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. We can see from God's word that from the testimony of two witnesses, we can tell if we are children of God or not, if we are an heir of God or not. The two who give testimony are the Holy Spirit and the spirit of the individual. Now notice very carefully that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. The Holy Spirit does not bear witness to our spirit, in which case there would be only one witness but rather the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And from the testimony given by these two witnesses, we can know if we are saved or not. Very often in talking to people, we find that they depend upon their feelings to assure them that they are redeemed. But my friends, how I feel, or how you feel, is not the Bible basis of the evidence of salvation. First, because forgiveness of sins takes place in the mind of God and not in our feelings. Considering Hebrews chapter 10 verses 15 through 17, we find the Hebrew writer writing these words. 
whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, and I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now then, since sins are remembered or removed from and in the mind of God, a person needs to know upon what conditions God has promised to forgive or forget our sins. Once he knows those conditions and has met them, then he will have the promise of God that God's mind is clear from holding him guilty of those sins any longer. You see, a person might be led by his feelings to believe that he is a child of God and saved when in reality God still remembers his sins and iniquities and counts him guilty. Salvation, my friends, does not take place in our breast, it takes place in God's mind. Secondly, feelings are naturally based upon testimony or evidence, which may or may not be correct. If we are sincerely misled by false testimony, our feelings are still going to respond even though the testimony is false. A classic example of this is found in Genesis 37 in the case of Joseph his brothers, and Jacob. The brothers plotted to deceive Jacob into thinking that Joseph was dead. We'll pick up reading in verse 31. The Bible tells us, And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or not. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. Did you note the phrase, Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces? That's what Jacob cried. But the truth of the matter was, Joseph was very much alive. Yet Jacob was absolutely sincere in the way he felt, but he had been sincerely misled. And the fact that he felt so badly, even covering himself with sackcloth and mourning for his son, did not change the fact that Joseph was alive. And so it is today. An individual assured by some religious teacher that he has been saved without meeting the conditions for salvation set forth in God's word, may very well believe that false testimony and feel real good about himself. But he has believed a falsehood. God yet remembers his sins. And the truly sad thing about it is that unless he learns differently, he may go through life convinced that he is saved upon the basis of false testimony. I've had discussions like this. I ask an individual, how do you know that you are saved? And they reply, by the way I feel. And I'll ask them, how do you feel? And they will say, I feel good. And I'll say, why do you feel good? And they say, because I know that I am saved. That's a very common approach to this most vital question, but all it is is reasoning in a circle and has nothing to do with the facts. It proves nothing. It certainly does not demonstrate in light of God's word whether the individual has been saved or not. I'm reminded of Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, which says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, 
Is it possible then for someone to really know that he is a child of God? Yes, two witnesses, the Holy Spirit and the man's spirit, testify together to the assurance that one is a child of God. It is not the case of one witness, the Holy Spirit, testifying alone to the man, since the evidence of salvation depends upon the agreement of the witness of both the Holy Spirit and the man. In what manner or in what way does the Holy Spirit testify? Does he do it in dreams, as some say? Does he do it in visions or in that small, quiet voice whispering to us in the night? No. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, we find, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That which is to be understood from the Spirit comes from what the Spirit plainly says. But again, how does the Spirit speak? As the time of our Lord's death was approaching, he told his apostles that he would send the Spirit unto them as a comforter, a teacher, a revelator, and a witness. Looking at John chapter 15 and verse 26, Jesus is speaking to his apostles, and he said, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. Moving over now just one chapter to John chapter 16, we'll read verses 7 through 13. Again, it is our Lord speaking to his apostles, and he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. These statements by Jesus show us that the Spirit would testify after Jesus had departed to return unto his Father. This witness of the Spirit began to be delivered on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. On that day, sinners were convicted of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment by the Spirit's testimony. And how was this testimony delivered? Through the words that were preached by the inspired apostles. We find in verse 4 of Acts chapter 2, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If we were to continue on down through that chapter, we would find Peter saying such things as, Hearken unto my words. Let me freely speak. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. And now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? This then is where we hear the testimony of the Holy Spirit. We hear it in the words of the inspired apostles. Jesus had said to them earlier in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 20, for it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. This is also the case with the inspired writers of the Old Testament. We've already looked at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 15 through 17. Let's look at those verses again. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. 
I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds while I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now that is a quote from Jeremiah. How did the Spirit witness through the writing of Jeremiah? Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Therefore, my friends, it is through the writings of the inspired men today in the New Testament by which the Holy Spirit bears witness which has to do with the assurance of our salvation. But man's spirit must also offer testimony with the Holy Spirit. How does the spirit of man do this? Very simply, the spirit of man bears witness as to what the individual has or has not done. This is a matter of consciousness known only to the person's own spirit. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? As a result, when God's spirit testifies in the inspired writings as to what man must do in order to be saved, and the spirit of the individual testifies that he has met these conditions of salvation, then the joint testimony of the two witnesses assures the person of his salvation. And this is the only way. When I talk to a person about their salvation, and they tell me that they have been saved without being baptized for the remission of their sins, and they know it because they feel so good, I just want to shout out, Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. They are basing their assurance upon their feelings and their feelings are the result of erroneous teaching. Only through the testimony of two witnesses can we truly have the assurance of salvation, the Spirit testifying as to what we must do in God's Word, and our Spirit testifying to the fact that we have done it. Once a person has done these things, he or she must continue in obedience to the Word of God. Jesus said in Acts chapter or in John chapter eight, verses thirty one, and 32, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Second John 9 also emphasizes the need to continue to abide. It is possible to lose one's salvation. So, if we remain faithful, we can continue to have the assurance. We can know that we are saved. It is my spirit bearing witness with the Holy Spirit that I have done and continue to do that which the Lord commands, that which is my duty to do. There is hope and there is joy. Things to think about. Thanks for listening.